We are Mackay Ministries, for those of you who don't know who I am, and we are all about uh, the local church, no matter where the local church is, whether the local church is here in the United States or in some other country. We are all about the local church, because how many of you know God does not have a, uh, a Russian church, a Ukrainian church, a Hispanic church, uh, African church and American church. God has one church. It's not a split up church. It's one church. And why that's so important is because uh, we, are, we are all about the local church here. We're also doing the work over in Russia. And over in Russia, the churches over there are working together with us the same as the churches here in the United States. And so why that's so important is because how many of you know what's going on right now is political. It has nothing to do with people. It's a political thing, not a people thing. And I say that because uh, our the, the people at our home over there are praying for the Ukrainians. They're praying for the Americans. The American church is praying for the Russian church. I thank God that during this time, he has not forsaken the Ukrainian church or the Russian church. I'm so grateful for that. Uh, and What's exciting is no matter whether uh, politicians can get it together or not, politicians can fight, but the church can still get it together. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So the church can cooperate together. The church is cooperating together, even though uh, politicians aren't. And, you know, I know a lot of people grew up during the Cold War. And so have, have you ever noticed in the, in the movies a lot of times, who the, the villain has a Russian accent. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, and, you know, the thing about it is, it's just like here in America. You have people on the right, you have people on the left. You have people in the center. And no matter what decision is made in Washington, D.C., somebody's not going to be happy. But guess what? We cannot hold every one of the people in the United States accountable for decisions that are made in Washington, D.C. You can't do it. Well, that's the same with people in Russia. The decisions that are made at the Kremlin, you can't hold all Russians accountable. Russians love Americans, if you want to know the honest truth about it. But we have this Hollywood concept and Hollywood idea and political idea in our heads. I just thank God he's bigger than Washington, D.C. or the Kremlin. Praise God. I'm excited about that. So we have a video that we want to show this morning. What this video will do, we'll introduce you to the house that we have, two homes actually over in Russia, and it will also um, uh, bring you up to speed with what's going on. So we'll go ahead and do that. You know, I, I just love to uh, see that because uh, whenever I look at those people on the balcony, um, what I see is uh, I see our changed lives. And the reason that there are changed lives there is because that home is like a bastion. It's a, uh, a place of influence. And without that influence, what you have is you're going to have, uh, and I don't just mean our influence, but other influences like that. You're just going to have cycles continuing people. Uh, you're going to have uh, kids having kids, and and these dysfunctional kids that are having kids are going to have dysfunctional kids. 
you're just going to have this cycle continue unless people come in. And you guys have been a big part of what's going on over there, a huge part. You've been in prayer uh, for us. You've been financially behind it, and we appreciate you very much. And, and it really is, together we're making a difference. I mean, I, I know what Kent, uh, I hear him every week talk about it, but uh, a package of coffee that was costing, uh, I believe it was costing $9 for this one package of coffee, now is costing 27 because of the war and that's what, everything that's going on. And you know, Putin is not missing his coffee. He's having coffee every morning. Uh, but at our house, we just, you know, we choose not to uh, spend our money like that, you know, at this moment. And I, you know, people right away, they want to know, well, can we send coffee? Let me tell you, by the time you send it to, to them, it's going to cost a whole lot more even than that $27. So it does, it's not, it just doesn't work like that. But um, you guys are just helping us out because, you know, costs have increased over there, and we just appreciate the finances that you you poured into us. Okay. I want you to go in your Bibles over to Ephesians. And let's look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 14 to start out with. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. And uh, what I want to talk to you today about is the process of becoming more like Jesus. The process of becoming more like Jesus. And in Ephesians chapter 4, Verse 14, it says, That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But notice in verse 15, But speaking the truth in love may grow up. In Him, in all things which is the head, even Christ. And notice in verse 16, whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that by that which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, makes increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. The body is increased when we supply that which our joint is supposed to supply, and each joint has a, a supply that it supplies to the family. And that comes about because we grow up. You know that there's a lot of people, it's, it's just amazing why, why churches have challenges that churches have. And the reason that churches have challenges that churches have is because we have a bunch of people that are growing up. I'm not saying that there aren't people that are grown up. I'm just saying we're a family. And I heard what one person said one time, and I really liked it. They said, you know, family loves each other, but every now and then you have to go in separate rooms. <laughs> and we're just, we're growing up. And so as we grow up, and that's what I want to talk to you about, is this process of growing up as I manage this little bitty pulpit here. <laughs> All right. So... 
I'm good. I'm just making an issue, you know, so. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Causing a little bit of trouble. Okay, when you talk about the process of becoming more like Jesus, uh, another term for that would be holiness. Another term, which I want to really hone in on this morning, is it's sanctification. And as you look at sanctification, what we find out about words like sanctification, holiness, justification, atonement, redemption, all these biblical words, uh, what we find in the modern church, in a lot of uh, occasions, the modern church doesn't want to use those terms. And the reason they don't want to use those terms is because they feel like when you use a term like uh, sanctification, that it sounds too churchy. You know, and here's, you know, an example is like if I, if I said to you, uh, you don't know what I'm talking about or saying, but if I explain it to you, and which is I speak a little Russian, uh, and chuchut, uh, and then if I say ploha, which means poorly, I speak a little Russian poorly. And so I've taken the time to explain it. And that's the thing. The modern-day church is afraid to use biblical terms because they don't think people will understand it. Well, here's the challenge with that. The modern-day church that doesn't want to use terms like that, they also don't want to be engaged in the process that those terms talk about. They're not only avoiding certain biblical words, but they're also avoiding those uh, the meaning behind those biblical words, the processes behind those biblical words. And somebody says, well, what's wrong with that? You know, we can, uh, we can just be over here instead of over here. Well, the problem with that is because nowadays what you have in the church, we live in the information age. Is that not right? We live in an age where you get tons of information. You get uh, all kinds of it. We're barraged with it. So you have people in the church that are uh, churches that are specialists, so to speak. And you can tell because if you don't read the same books that they read or listen to the same authors that they read, they'll like, they can identify you pretty quick. They'll use buzzwords or phrases and they know right away, oh, you don't know so-and-so or you don't recognize this. And then they, they identify you on that. Well, the problem with that is they will just, th- these individuals, they know on their favorite topic, all the books, all the seminars, all the speakers, all the people that approach that. And what that's like is it's like you going to the gymnasium, going to the weight room, and all you ever do is work on one arm. You go in there and you work on this one arm, and pretty soon you're going to come out, you work on your right arm, you're going to come out looking like a freak because this arm is like out to here. And the you know you haven't worked on anything else, and that's the issue with words like sanctification, justification, atonement, redemption, 
uh, all these old biblical ideas because they're foundational. If you don't have the foundations, you know, you're just a mess. It's a mess. So what we have to do is get to the realization that we can't just skip past the, the foundations. I'm not against streams. I'm not against streams. I'm against streams without foundation. No foundation, the stream, you're just walking around like this giant, you know, oh, I'm all out. Okay. <laughs> so, when we look at the idea of sanctification, let me give you a definition this morning. Sanctification is, uh, the, a definition for it is to be set apart for special use or service. To be set apart for special use or service. Now, when you talk about being set apart, I want to tackle that a little bit. Some people think the idea of being set apart is, oh, I come to church. And all I do is go home and watch all the Christian television. That's all I ever do. Come to church, go home and watch Christian TV. And that's okay, except for if you, that's, that's just where you're at. You never come in contact with anybody. You never go out and you don't come in contact with your lost neighbor. It's just, I stay home and watch TBN, uh, C, CBN, uh, Daystar, whatever. And that's all you do. Now, I'm not talking about when, when you talk about being set apart, I'm not talking about a clo- being cloistered. You know what a cloist- cloistered is where, you know, it's like we're just going to come in here and we're never going to come in contact with anybody. Now, I know that the Bible says, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. I get that. So I'm not talking about getting involved. One, one Bible school, they were recommending that people watch R-rated movies so that they could understand what the world is like. It's like, that is not right. I mean, I'm not, I'm not advocating that. But I'm saying, just to stay holed up in your house is not the answer either. We are the light of the world. We are to come in contact with unbelievers. We are, we are the answer. Jesus through us, we are the answer. Okay. So, we're not to do that, but I'm on the other side. I also have people coming to me and they talk about, you know, they go and hang out at the bars. Well, I'm just there, you know, to let my light shine. And, and uh, I'm the designated driver. You know, I like to go listen to the music. And uh... Okay. In that situation, let me ask you this. Who is discipling who? Because I meet a lot of those people that are hanging out in situations like that, and the world is doing a better job of discipling them than they are of the world. And so what happens is we get into those situations. So when I'm talking about Sanctification means to be set apart, but it means to be set apart for a special use or service. What I like is that God is an individual God. He's a corporate God. He works with us corporately, but He also works with us individually. 
I like that. God does not have any pawns. I'm going to use some chess terms. Uh, you know, like uh, a lot of times in chess, we think that the pawn is, uh, uh, expo- you know, uh, disposable. Uh, like I'm going to put my little pawn out there. My hope is that your bishop up here is going to see my little pawn down here and rush down there and try to wipe me out. And then I'm going to take my knight and go up there and get your bishop. That's more important. God does not have pawns. You are not expendable. You're not. Nobody is expendable. Oh, you know, I'm just a pawn, and God's going to move me over here because somebody else is more important. No. No. There's not one person here that is expendable and unimportant. Not one. God has a special use and purpose for every single individual. Everyone. Every one of us, God has a special use or purpose for us. And what happens, though, is why we, have, why we need to walk in sanctification is because it's, the, it's what comes out of us the Bible says that's what defiles a man. Not what enters, but what comes out is what defiles us. And so uh, often, you know, you have people that they their attitude, I can talk about them and there and those people over there, but their attitude is, yeah, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't run around with girls who do or whatever. I, you know, their attitude is they have the, Kent and I call it the famous four down. You know, I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. Well, I'm good to go. But the fact of the matter is this sanctification process in our lives is really, it's a matter of the heart and it's a matter of obedience. Because honestly, church, too often the church world out there will put on this facade of holiness. I don't do this, I don't do this, I don't do this. Oh, but this is my favorite little secret sin over here. And I'll, I'll participate in it because I'm ready to go over here. When God is actually looking at the motivations of the heart, he's looking for obedience. The Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice. So I'm not talking today in sanctification about don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I'm really talking about obedience of the heart. God speaking in our hearts. God talking to us and dealing with us. How do I know that that's an important issue? You have Abraham, and Abraham is uh, walking up. He's got Isaac with him, and he's at Mount Moriah, I think it is, and he's coming up this side of the hill with Isaac, and he's coming up to uh, sacrifice Isaac. And when he's coming up to sacrifice Isaac, guess what's happening on the other side of the hill? A ram is coming up to get caught in the thicket. So what's going on is if Abraham would have been disobedient 
I mean, there's all kinds of things that would have happened because of that. But if Abraham would have been disobedient to not come up the hill, he never would have seen the provision. Never would have seen it. That provision would have been there, and he never would have seen it. And how often we are disobedient, we're not listening to God, we're not hearing His voice, and He has divine appointments for us, divine provision for us, all kinds of things that we never see because we have our secret sins, our pet, whatever, and and is he punishing us? I think really what happens is we could be grieving the Holy Ghost. Uh, we could not be hearing like we need to be hearing. We could be missing an appointment, all kinds of things. So this really comes down to when God has a special use or purpose for us, he wants us to walk in sanctification because he really wants to utilize us in in certain ways that we be, may be missing out on. Okay, so we we want to walk in this sanctification. Okay, now, when we talk about sanctification, we need we need to also understand this about sanctification. That sanctification is, we are, if we're born again, if we have asked Jesus into our hearts, we are sanctified, but we are also being sanctified, we're in the process of being sanctified, and ultimately one day we will be sanctified. We are, we're in the process, and we will be. To me, that's that's really interesting. But why, why is that important? That's important for us to understand because, first of all, there is what is called positional sanctification. And positional sanctification is really, it happens at salvation, and it's who we are in Jesus. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We know that. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's positional sanctification. I am seated together with him in heavenly places. I'm in Christ Jesus, according to Ephesians. So positionally, this is who we are. And it's important for us to understand who we are positionally uh, because let's just say that Eddie is a policeman. And Eddie goes out there and he's to direct traffic and there's somebody coming in a car and they're not obeying. And so does Eddie say, stop in the name of Eddie. You know, that car is bigger than Eddie. <laughs> it's good enough. Stop in the name of Eddie. But instead, what happens is stop in the name of the law. He has the law backing him up. So it's important for us to understand who we are in Jesus. We have positional sanctification. Why is that important? That's important because we need to understand. Uh, it, it gives us a confidence. It gives us a confidence. I know, look, I, I do the inventory. The Bible says that we are to uh, examine ourselves. So it's important to do inventory, absolutely. But if you're like me, some weeks you do the inventory and you're like, 
Okay, I did this. Oh, I blew it here. Uh, and so you kind of come into God's presence like a worm. Uh, you know, I'm not as worthy to be in his presence today. But then this week, oh, yeah, I did this, 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 this. Hey, I'm pretty good. And I come boldly to the throne room. You know, I could have come boldly to the throne room any one of those weeks. Because I am righteous in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And it's important for us to identify with that. Uh, another illustration I have for that is like with marriage. You know, some days you feel married, and maybe another day you wake up and you say, I don't feel married today. You're no less married today if you don't feel it than you were the day you felt you were married. You're married. <laughs> and if you don't believe it, your spouse will, you know, fill you in on that, that fact right away. So, so there's positional sanctification, but then we also need to talk a little bit this morning about the process. And why is that important? I'll tell you, because actually what Christianity is in our lives and salvation is what we read in Ephesians, growing up. That we will grow up. And that's the process of sanctification. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. So that's what the Bible is, uh, the Bible is about, Christian living is about, is transformation. And if you meet people, that there's, uh, church, I just want to take the gloves off for a second and say this. Nowadays, there are all kinds of people that are all about uh, the uh, identifying with the position of sanctification. And basically, their attitude is Jesus winks at everything else. Ah, yeah, I'm okay with that and this and that because positionally, you're sanctified. And that's, that's just wrong. It's about transition. It's about being transformed into his image. It's about becoming who we already are. We are becoming who we already are. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but we are being transformed into his image. And as we're being transformed into his image, um, that, that comes about with, we're not trying to earn something, uh, but what we are is we're actually becoming more obedient and we're doing less to hinder the Holy Ghost, and we're doing more to let our light shine, and we're becoming more like Jesus. And so what? when does this process of becoming more like Jesus or sanctification, when does it begin? It begins at the new birth. When we accept Jesus into our hearts and we are born again, that's when that, uh, that, that begins. If it's not happening in our lives, if we're not being transformed, then I would question whether the other thing actually happened. I would. I would. I'm not trying to get people to question their salvation, but too often people are making head knowledge, you know, checking it off their list. I'm saved. Oh, I did that. I skipped hell. And nothing has changed in their life. They didn't become new creatures in Christ. Nothing changed at all. 
in my life, what happened was, I mean, it just had, it had, people noticed. They noticed. And they will notice in your life, too. If you have asked Jesus into your heart, they notice. Because there's something different about you. Or at least there should be. And that's the whole thing. It's, that's what the transformation. If transformation is not happening, I would question about this other part. Okay. I'm not trying to get anybody to question their salvation. But uh, in a sense, I guess I kind of am. <laughs> okay. I'm going to close with these few thoughts. And then uh, I don't even know what time it is. <clears throat> okay. So these are the thoughts I want to take you to. That process of sanctification started at um, salvation. That's when it started. And actually, there's another biblical term I want to throw out at you, and that's called, uh, I just lost it that quick. It's, uh, that pro- that it's called regeneration. When we were born again, uh, we were dead spiritually, we're now made alive. So it's regeneration. Okay, now, when we were born again, that happened in the spirit man, in the spirit man. We are spirit man. You don't have a spirit man, you are spirit man, or woman, or what? spirit person. <laughs> and that's important because of this. Too often we think we are a person who has a spirit. We're not a person who has a spirit. We are spirit. It's time we begin to get that concept wrapped around our heads. I know you've got neighbors or relatives that think, oh, don't get so heavenly minded, you'll be no earthly good. Come on. We are spirit. That's who we are. We are spirit. And we have an earth suit. This is our earth suit. This is so, it's like an astronaut has something that he can wear on the moon or wherever so he can operate in that realm. Our spirit operates in this realm in our earth suit. This is our earth suit. Connie's earth suit is going to get a little work done on it here. But, so, the Bible talks about us on three dimensions. Spirit, soul, and body. We have, we are spirit. We have a mind and we live in a body. When we got born again, our spirit man was regenerated. That's, that's, now there's two other parts of us that need to be worked on. That's sanctification. And that is the body and the mind. If those two get together, a lot of times they'll run over the top of, of the spirit man. They'll just run right over the top of him. And so that's why we have to uh, subdue the flesh. Are we flesh ruled? Yeah, a lot of the church is flesh ruled, honestly. A lot of church is flesh ruled. So what do we need to do about the flesh? Paul said, I buffet. You know, like the old joke, I didn't buffet. (laughs) But he buffeted the flesh. And that means I brought it into subjection. 
How do we bring our flesh into subjection? The way we bring our flesh into subjection is we uh, basically are pointing out to our flesh who's in control. Is your flesh in control? Are you in control? Well, how does that happen? Well, I'll tell you one way. If you don't think that your flesh is another part, has another identity or entity, for lack of a better way to say it, just tell your body that you're not going to give it something. And I don't mean something like drugs or alcohol. I mean, just tell your body you're not going to give it something that no one would think twice about. I mean, you're all set with your favorite whatever. Like, I'm just going to say, uh, let's just say it's a cup of coffee. Just for whatever. I'm not saying the coffee's of the devil. I'm not. But I'm saying, let's just say, one all of a sudden, one more moment, coffee, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, uh, your favorite whatever it is, your favorite TV program. And tell your body no. Just once. And you will find a part of you rise up and have a voice that you will be amazed how strong that voice is. And that voice will rise up and say, what do you mean no? <laughs> you, that voice will rise up and say, if you don't give me that, I'll give you a headache. That's that other part of you that is really strong that we've, we, we just kind of coddle and let ride along with us. I, I'm one of the world's greatest negotiators. I will tell you that as soon as God, I just feel impressed by the Holy Spirit to tell my flesh no about something, the negotiations begin. <laughs> And the negotiations are, well, you know, maybe he really meant, you know, maybe I should just slow down. (laughs) Or maybe he meant, maybe just not, you know, whatever. The negotiations start. And so, really, it's good to tell our bodies no. It's good to just say to your body no. And why is that? Because you're saying who's in charge? Is your body in charge or is your spirit in charge? And so... And then the second thing, and I'm closing with this, is if we do not realize by now that there is a battle for our mind, we're never going to realize it. We're never going to realize it. There is a battle for our minds. They are, they are trying, yes, them, they are trying to get a hold of our minds, rewrite our minds, rewrite our thoughts, I can still identify who what a woman is. I still can. <laughs> so you're not going to tell me otherwise. I will not be reprogrammed. I won't do it. <laughs> and when and so how does that come about? By sheer will? No. It comes about by uh being Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night to do according to all that's written therein. Uh, Proverbs 
uh, Psalms said, uh, Psalms 1 says, uh, I delight in the Lord, a law of the Lord. And um, uh, now that is aggravating me. Uh, you don't walk with the, I'm misquoting. I apologize. Psalms. Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. It's, if we're not in here, it's not just, it's, uh, church sanctification is not just, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. But it's it's renewing of our minds. It's subduing our flesh. It's being led by the Holy Ghost. And so that's why it's so important, so important in this day and hour because we spend X amount of time here this morning and the rest of the week we're hearing uh, just junk. Junk, junk, junk. Junk from coworkers, junk from the news. Not always. I'm not against your coworker. <laughs> This morning, but there's a lot of stuff floating around out there, and so we need to be in the Word of God. Amen. All right. So I want to pray for us this morning, and then I'll turn the service back over to Eddie. I suppose. All right, Father, I just thank you that uh, for the Holy Spirit, one called alongside to help us, and God, that as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, as we renew our minds as we tell our flesh who's in charge. Uh, I just thank you, Lord, that as we're led by the Holy Ghost, led by the Holy Ghost, you know the Bible says, let the peace that passes all understanding rule and reign in our hearts. So, Father, I thank you. That's what we want. We want to be led by the Spirit and spending time in your Word so that the Spirit of God can bring to our remembrance what you have said in the Word. And Father, I just pray for this congregation. I thank you this congregation is a lighthouse in Henderson. I thank you, Father, we are a flame of fire, uh, set on fire to go out in this community. I thank you, Father, that this congregation and these individuals have a light in them to share with a dark world. There's a dark world out there. There's hurting people out there. There's people without hope out there. And I thank you, Father, that that we are a, a, a light shining in that dark place. So we thank you, Father, for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. That was such a good word. It, uh, thank you, Todd. Amen. I, I, I always love these two brothers when they come. They're always timely. They're right on point. That message couldn't go any more along with what we've been talking about here. And uh, and we didn't tell them anything about it. And it, it was perfect. And uh, Todd and Kent have not given up on Russia. They're doing that ministry stronger than ever. They may not be back in three. They haven't been there in three years, but they're hoping to get back soon. Right? But they still have to provide for the ministry there. That is something we get to partner with, right? One of the things I loved talking with them last night about uh, just how good Russia is doing, like the, not the media Russia, (laughs) how good Restoration House is doing, how good the church is doing in Russia. 
and how we're able to partner with that, right? I think it is awesome. Like, we're trying to change our community here. I think it is amazing in a place that's ridden with war right now that God's moving. You know what I'm saying? Like, something major is happening. And uh, those people are maturing. They're doing exactly what Todd taught today. They're growing. They're maturing. They're, they're starting to go into churches and speak themselves. They're connecting with the local people themselves. They're doing these very things. Now, Todd and Kent still mentor them from here for now. But it, uh, they're doing that. We get to partner with that. And there's, today we're about to take up a special offering. Actually, Jason said you can put the special offering in the, in the lockbox in the back. Or uh, you can give to our Tithely and uh, market for missions. Or if you have been praying about it, you just feel led to help out with this ministry more, they actually have online giving. You can give a recurring gift over and over with that, which is easier because then you don't have to remember to send a check out each week. If you don't get their newsletter, talk to them. They'll get you put on a newsletter list. Uh, keep up with them. And they're not just helping Russia. And if Ryan was here talking, he would tell the same thing. These guys help us. You have no idea how much they help us. Every year they come and speak a word that's so relevant. But in this last year, we've leaned on them for prayer, for help. Uh, they've been awesome. And they are, they are more than family. And it's, uh, We're grateful for them. We're going to pray over Todd and, and Kent and Micaiah. But make sure you talk to him. Obviously, we're going to try to get out of here a little quicker, but he won't rush, right? And if you want to help out in Russia, it's huge. Like what's going on over there, as he said, it's political. Most of us have watched the news enough to realize that we don't buy half of what they say or even two-thirds of what they say, and then we look for the truth. We understand there's a lot of political things with the people there need our help. We have that opportunity today, so... Uh, Let's pray for Makai Ministries. Ty, would you come up here? Let's pray over him. Jason, everybody else, let's just pray over this man. We appreciate you, brother. Damn, I'm also calling you now. That, that's really messed up. <laughs> First time ever. Oh, Father God, we thank you for Brother Todd, Lord. Thank you for the word you spoke through him, Lord. Thank you for the heart you've given him, not only for us, Lord, but for, for the orphans of Russia, Lord, for the ministries, not just there, Lord, but everywhere that he's able to go and minister or preach to, Lord, uh, Brother Kent, Lord. Lord, we pray for Micaiah Ministries, God, that you would bless it, that, Lord, you continue to do a great work there, Lord. Lord, you've given them this desire to grow that ministry, Lord, to to be able to get more property, to do more in Russia, Lord, to grow the church there, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you would provide the means. Lord, you would provide the workers. You would provide the way, Father God. Father God, I pray you would bless that ministry. God, for all that Todd and Ken put into it, Lord, I pray you bless them tenfold, Lord. And Father God, I know they're not ever looking for the finances, Lord. I pray you bless them in a way that's going to bless you. And Lord, make this ministry more and more fruitful and let it bless you, God. And Lord, put it on our hearts. All of us here right now, anybody who's listening, Lord, to 
diligent in prayer for them constantly. And to give as you've called us to give. Let us not hold back, Lord. I pray you would help us to be sanctified. Father God, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Uh, Bombardi. You guys are free to go. I'm sure Ryan thought up a song, but it's okay. You're free to go. Uh, ask me any questions. Ask how you can give. See Tracy if you're asking how you can give here. So thank you. Love you all.